Thanks for joining us for The Whole Spectrum. I'm Katherine Parks, and I'm here with my husband, Eric, to talk about what it means, in the words of Francis Schaeffer, for the Lordship of Christ to permeate the whole spectrum of life. And for us, our view of art in particular. We love to discuss the films we see from a Christian perspective, so we invite you to join us as we cover the whole spectrum of the movie world, from classics to independent films to blockbusters. Well, we're back with another episode, and this time we are talking about a great director whose films we have both really enjoyed, and that is Christopher Nolan. And the reason we're talking about him in this episode is because, of course, his newest movie, Dunkirk, just came out uh, this past weekend in theaters. And sadly, I have not been able to see it yet, but Eric, you did. And what are just kind of some initial thoughts that you had? I thought it was incredible. Great. That, that's it. Thank you. The initial thoughts. Um, so good. Uh, yeah, I got to see it in IMAX, 70 millimeter on the preview night the night before it actually opened this is like humble bragging isn't it like no, i got someone to... else paid for my ticket it was so kind also a humble brag so <laughs> i'm just letting you know you have amazing that friends i was one of the first and you i saw have the movie. friends <laughs> uh yeah anyway it was very very good it was unexpected in that it doesn't play out like you would expect or even like a traditional movie where um characters really really matter and story really really matters in this case we're kind of taking three storylines from land sea and air during the battle of dunkirk which is on uh, happening on the french coast during world war ii before the u.s joined so it's i think it's brits uh the french as well as belgians i believe and everything is just awful and germans are are blowing them to, to bits they're just stuck on this beach trying to get back home uh, and that's the whole idea is that um, is the idea of home and that really plays big into this but yeah we take these three separate storylines uh, different characters within each of these storylines and how they come together is part of Christopher Nolan's genius I think the way he structures his movies is always really neat um, and so once again he's he's done something really neat so the movie is not very emotional it is not story driven it's very, very loud. <laughs> the music is relentless. And it sounds so good. <laughs> and all of these things, I think, are horrible in typical movies. And yet, somehow, he pulls it off to create one of the most tense, uh, immersive, and uh, I think authentic World War II movies. And I have to be careful when I say authentic because people who have actually been in wars might criticize me on that. But I think what I'm trying to say is um, when I say authentic, it feels realistic there's no I shouldn't say no CGI because there's maybe some in there but he's a great director in that he likes to do practical effects he likes to not rely on CGI so if he does use it it's gonna be um, pretty unnoticeable but for the most part he's using old World War II planes like these Spitfires uh, he's using period boats vessels things like that that would have been in World War II and so, yeah, strapping IMAX cameras to the sides of these planes to get just unbelievable footage. I was blown away. I think it's a very, very good movie. Again, it's different from what a lot of people would expect, but I thought very, very good. I hope you get to see it sometime because 
you didn't get to see it. I'm so sorry, but I, I want don't you, have amazing friends. I want you to see it, and I want to be there with you so we can discuss it more. Anyway, and uh, then we'll see it, and you'll be like, "Yeah, but when I saw it in IMAX, seventy with all my friends, <laughs> <laughs> it was way better." So two thumbs up from me. I'm not going to tell you any more about it, but if you've seen it. Uh, definitely sound off in the comment section or on Twitter, Facebook, wherever we want to hear from you. That said, let's go ahead and jump into our top five Christopher Nolan movies. And I'll let you go first, Catherine, with your number five pick. Uh, well, sorry, let me back up first. He's directed ten movies. Mm -hmm. He's also done some short things. But he's done ten overall. I've seen... All ten. You've seen... Wait, you've seen Following? Correct, yes. I saw it in college, I believe. Really? Yes. So this is a film he made when he was 28. Yes, black and white. With a $6,000 budget. Yeah. His first feature. Yeah, not bad. Wow. So. Well, I'm impressed with you once again. Thank you, Catherine. I really <laughs> appreciate that. Uh, so what is your number five? Okay, my number five... So I haven't seen as many as you have. True. Um, including Dunkirk. But my number five is The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, okay. So the third in the, the Batman trilogy. I liked all of his Batman movies. Yep. Uh, I think, well, spoiler, that was the one I probably liked the least. Um, okay. Not that there were necessarily any huge flaws. I mean, I think we made fun of Bane's voice a lot, but... I am Gotham's reckoning. <laughs> um, but it seems like the one that was maybe the most, um, it was larger scale and there was so much going yeah. on and uh, didn't have necessarily the exact same feel as the first two. Yeah. Um, but still a really rewarding view. So. Well, and I liked the self-sacrifice toward mm -hmm. the end as well as the resurrection, as it were. The Dark Knight Rising. Uh, so I thought, you know, from a Christian standpoint, those were some pretty neat themes mm -hmm. um, for me. But, yeah. Um, well, I, again, like he does with a lot of his movies, uh, because of the the structure that he uses in the timeline, you have so many questions going throughout, and there's kind of built-in suspense about what's going on and some big reveals toward the end, so that's yeah. fun. Uh, and two, with his the previous two movies, in the trilogy, um, the the bad guys seem to be operating on more of a either philosophical or mm -hmm. um, intellectual or or insanity <laughs> level, but it's all a lot more heady. In this one, Bane, the main nemesis, is acting mostly from just a physical brute force strength. Um, but is he the main nemesis? I don't know. I can't tell you. <laughs> I mean, spoiler. Well, it's, well, it's sort it's of been a revenge, revenge drama yeah. too. So. so we won't we won't give that away if somehow you haven't seen it. <laughs> okay, my number five is Inception. This was uh, kind of a mind bender uh, with Leonardo DiCaprio, and um, it's about dreams within dreams. Really inventive. Uh, he's operating on a completely different plane in this movie than he had done with some of his others. Um, so it's twisty. It's bendy. First time I saw it in the theater, absolutely loved it. Then we watched it a few months later on DVD, and I thought it was good, but didn't hold up quite as well. So I've only seen it twice, and I'd really like to see it again. But overall, um, really neat movie with big themes on the macro level, but then also on the micro level. 
just about a guy and his love and his family, which I thought was sweet. Um, so that's my number five. All right. Number four. Number four for me was Batman Begins. I had seen some, you know, superhero movies, but that just was such a game changer, I think, for mm -hmm. the whole genre and was a lot darker and uh, especially compared to other Batman iterations of the past. Yeah, and when we had just come off the last Batman movie was what, Batman and Robin with uh, George Clooney and can't say I saw it. Chris O'Donnell and they had the lame bat suits with nipples on their <laughs> <laughs> on their suits. It was ridiculous. So this is a nice change. Yes. Uh, and yeah, I just thought, I mean, it, the the terror and kind of the psychological thriller aspect of it was really interesting and well done. And um, seeing kind of the inner turmoil of the Batman character was was so good. And and again, he does such a good job of building the suspense. Yeah while also getting you invested in the characters. Oh, the theme was great too, is just simply fear. And so he struggled with that as a kid, um, whether it was fear of bats or losing parents and being alone, to then taking that weakness and turning it into a strength and that he would in inflict fear on his enemies um, and use that to his advantage. So great origin story, good number four. My number four was Dunkirk. It could It could get higher. I don't want to say, I think some people jump the gun and say, oh, best World War II movie ever made or best Christopher Nolan movie ever made. Great, let's give it more than one or two days before we start making bold proclamations. So right now it stands at number four and it could go higher. But for now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it there. But I really liked it. Very Catherine, interesting. what is your number three? My number three is Inception. Ah, good. I am pretty sure that I saw this the day before we had our second child. <gasps> and I remember having to use the bathroom so bad. Oh, you missed a lot then. <laughs> no, I didn't go. Oh. <laughs> I just suffered uh, through wow. the whole, kind of the whole third act was a little bit miserable to me because all of a sudden we're in the snow and I'm just waiting to figure out what's going to happen and I really need to go to the bathroom. But even with that, yes. I thought it was fantastic. And what I loved about it is that there's so much room for um, discussion. Yeah. And it's just such a great conversation starter. And we kind of unpacked it and I saw it with my mom and I think we talked about it a lot. Yeah. And you're just kind of peeling back the layers and putting things together. And then you're arguing over what the ending means. And Oh, yeah. Great, great ending. Yeah. So I thought uh, as far as like a, a movie viewing communal experience, that one was so good. Yeah. And you know I love ambiguous endings because it gets people talking on the way out and talking for days and weeks later. So, yeah. And sometimes you think endings are ambiguous that aren't. So let's not let's even go down that podcast path. for another day. <laughs> okay, my number three was the Prestige. This is Christian Bale and who's the other guy? The Wolverine. What's his name? Wolverine. Why is it skipping my mind? And I don't have internet right now. It's the yep Aussie guy. Yep, Hugh Jackman. <laughs> or, Hugh Jackman. As one of my friends used to think, his name was Hugh Ackman. True story. <laughs> Uh, yeah, dueling magicians always trying to one-up each other, kind of a revenge tale. So it's dark. It's not necessarily happy, but the twists and turns that this movie takes uh, take is just unbelievable. It's one of his lowest grossing movies, 
but um, I think it's gained in popularity over the years after people have watched it and rewatched it, and it's one that kind of invites multiple viewings, I think. And the whole idea that you can't trust your eyes, it's all illusion, because this is a movie about magicians, and the way he uses that idea, not only as a theme, but also to, to play, play to the audience and kind of tricks us along the way uh, is very, very clever. So I really like Prestige. I've watched it several times. That's my number three. So what is your number two? That is my number two. Boom, yes. Great segue. Yeah, I think, and this was very nearly my number one. Yeah. Uh, I think as far as rewatchability and it's kind of, um, it has a little bit of like that, the sixth sense where you're trying to rewatch it and see what you missed and put everything together yeah. and, uh, and to kind of continue to do that and peel back layers. And so for that, I think it's just genius. One of the things that Nolan does frequently in films is is give you a narrator who's unreliable. Yeah. You can't trust necessarily his point of view or the information that he's giving you. And, um, and so I think that's a strength of the prestige. He does that with the Joker in some ways. I mean, he's not necessarily a narrator, but yeah. he's kind of giving these monologues where you don't actually ever know if he's telling you the truth or not. Yeah. Same thing with Memento, which we haven't talked about, but you don't know if what he's remembering is true. Yeah. So, um, so that's kind of a, a really unique thing that I think Christopher Nolan does is giving you these these narrators where you're you're trying to watch the movie and you're listening to what they're saying and you don't know if it's true uh, and that's kind of what you're saying with the prestige that's real life you know is yeah. trying to figure out what is true and and are you watching closely and are you trying to figure this out and yeah uh, so I love the prestige uh, my number two and kind of what you had said about the Joker um, yeah, that plays into my number two is the Dark Knight the Batman, uh, the second one in the trilogy, I think this is one of the greatest uh, superhero movies of all time, maybe one of the best crime movies of all time. Um, and uh, the idea of the Joker has no motivation. That's what's frustrating and, and makes him hard to pin down, is that his only motivation is chaos. He doesn't want money. Doesn't he burn a pile of money? Mm -hmm in the movie and so it blows that, it up yeah it's just so fascinating then he puts um, try to put pit people against each other in these moral and ethical dilemmas so he's not a strong bad guy physically but he uses his um, his just demented intellect um, to put people in awkward positions and um, yes yeah, just psychological warfare I think so I absolutely love this movie it works on so many levels so well. There are a couple little cheesy things. I think Jeff, or not Jeff Gordon, <laughs> the race car driver. <laughs> Jim Gordon, the detective. <laughs> that would have been really cheesy. Isn't that though. the one where the Batmobile zooms by and he's yes. like, I gotta get me one of those. <laughs> and you're like, okay, well. Um, I guess you still have to have some playfulness because it's a comic book movie at heart. But uh, comic books aside, I think it's just a fantastic movie in general. So that's my number two. Now we gotta get down to the number one. Drum roll, please. What's your number one? <laughs> uh, well, you stole my thunder because my number one is The Dark Knight. <gasps> Brilliant choice, Catherine. <laughs> I think this is one of only maybe a handful of movies I've seen on opening night, like a big kind of blockbuster. Yes. You saw that without me with some I girlfriends. I saw it with two girlfriends, <laughs> one of whom covered her face through half of the movie. <laughs> 
And then I had to go home and spend the night with her because she was scared. Oh, my word. <laughs> so it is twisted. Yes. And uh, dark. Very dark. But yeah, I just, I loved it. And I think what you're saying, we love to try to figure out people's motives and why they do what they do. And what was so different about this movie and the Joker is that you really can't necessarily figure out any of that. Yeah. And we like to kind of justify people in different ways um but he's just crazy and yeah. so that was somewhat unexpected i mean i guess if you followed the joker through the comic book series then you understand some of that but this took it to a whole other level and i think everything you know kind of surrounding heath ledger added oh, another yeah. element of drama to the whole story and um and made it maybe even more intense to watch it in some ways uh knowing you know, that it, it took a toll on him too. And yeah. uh, and so that made it, I think, a little bit more realistic in some ways, just the- and Kind of haunting. The intensity, yeah. And what I loved about that one so much too was the theme, especially at the end. And for those who haven't seen it, I'm ruining it. But the character Two-Face, Harvey Dent, he was a good guy. He becomes really, really bad. And at the end, Batman says, no, we need him. We need his original goodness as a symbol. And so I, I will, it's essentially a lie, but he says, I will take on the sin of Harvey Dent, the sin of Two-Face. I will put that on myself so that people will believe I'm the bad guy. And then in, in doing so, he sacrifices himself in that way. And then he goes on the run. The cops chase him. The city hates him. Um, but he's doing it for the city because he loves the city and loves the people. So in that way, he becomes a Christ figure yet again in a movie. And mm -hmm. so I, he's just a great character to me. Yeah. Well, and another, that's another example of something that Nolan does. And I was reading a little bit about this is um, a lot of his movies end with a character giving this philosophical monologue, mm. which in a lot of movies would be just over the top cheesy, you know, and it's hard to pull off. But I think he does it pretty well in a lot of his yeah. films where things aren't necessarily all tied up, but it, it gives some kind of explanation yeah. and meaning to what you've just seen. Well, some of these, um, I think I know the speech you're talking about, but some of the speeches given in some of these movies are by Michael Caine with that amazing mm. British accent and grandfatherly care, because uh, he's been in a bunch of his stuff, all the Dark Knight movies and Inception and Prestige. Um, so he's just, he's, he's great. And I love that Nolan uses a lot of the same actors uh, in his movies. Um, okay, right, so my number, number one. one is Memento. That was his first uh, kind of big movie. I say kind of big. It made $25 million at the box office, at least stateside. Um, but it was his next one after following. So that's kind of where he, I think, cemented himself as a director to, to watch and to look for. And he did some really inventive things. It's um, low budget. It starred Guy Pearce. This was, what, 2000, 2001, I think? And it's just about a guy whose wife has been murdered, and he's trying to find out who did it. But in the process of the, the assault on his wife, he busts his head, and he has amnesia. So now it's just short-term memory loss. I think, it doesn't he lose his memory? He can't remember things after just a minute or so. Yeah, it's really fast. So trying to find this guy, this evil bad guy who's done this horrible thing to him and his wife, um, when he may have already found the guy and exacted revenge. We don't know exactly, and he, that's kind of part of it, is, is he keeps um, 
he brings along a guy who he thinks is helping him, but he thinks may also be the murderer. It's so psychologically crazy, and it's told, part of the story is told forward, so part of it is told backwards, part of it is in color, part of it is in black and white, and then as these two storylines are going, they end up merging in the middle, which is actually more toward the end of the movie, um, and it's just independent cinema at its best. You wouldn't, probably wouldn't get to make this movie if you were um, working for a studio, but since it was for, you know, a small independent kind of thing, he was able to take these really heady ideas and just kind of blow everybody's mind. And again, like with so many of his movies, it's one of those you have to watch multiple times. So I thought it was great. Um, I love the, the kind of gritty, independent feel to it. And so I'm, I'm keeping that as my number one. I know you've seen it. Any, any <laughs> I've thoughts? seen it twice, including pretty recently. Yeah, I think we saw it last year again sometime. And... Ironically, I can't really remember oh, much about it. Oh, that's poetic something or other. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to like it, but I just can't remember if I do. It's dark, but it's so good. Yeah, I do remember being dark, and it's the roughest watch, too, of those. I would say um, we could pretty uh, easily recommend the other ones that we've mentioned, but that one does have more... Uh, probably language. I don't know if there's anything else. It's a yeah, little I think violent. It's just language. Yeah, it's one of his uh, two or three R-rated movies. The rest of them are PG-13. Yeah. So, so I I think I appreciate the idea of it. It just doesn't really stick with me in the way that I maybe think it should have. So. Yeah. So interestingly, the ones we did not have on our list were Insomnia, which was um, right after Memento, and Interstellar, which. Uh, a lot of people love. Yeah, and we, I enjoyed it, and I've seen it twice now. It just was really kind of hard for me to understand. A little was over my head, and I didn't think everything completely worked toward the end of it, um, but that's okay. Yeah. Well, for me, I think uh, it was it was just overly long, and I think I felt like yeah. that with Inception, too, where um, because of the nature of his movies, you're waiting for everything to come together, mm-hmm. and sometimes when that is drawn out extra long. It's just really difficult. Oh, and two, when Matt Damon popped up randomly in the middle of the movie, <laughs> and then he and Matthew McConaughey had a spaceman fight yes. on a mountain, I kind of laughed out loud at that, so that took me out of it a little bit. Yeah, that so, was a little weird. And I'm not aside a, from that. I think Anne Hathaway has done some really good stuff, but I don't think I loved her in that either. So Fair enough, and I would take Interstellar and a Christopher Nolan movie over almost any other <laughs> movie. So don't get me wrong there, but um, yeah, that's one of his lesser in my book. So, but those are our top five. We really like Christopher Nolan. We think he's a great writer, a great director, and we can't wait to see what else he's got. So if you guys have anything you want to add to it, again, sound off um, in comments, emails, Facebook, wherever you can find us. Um, but again, we, we love his stuff. Hope you'll check it out, especially Dunkirk, and then we will see you next time.